0: Share with us this morning his thoughts. Where is he? Oh, there he is. Um, Dr. Larry Van Beek, who is uh, a member of our congregation. And we feel so honored to have you speak to us this morning. What I love about Larry, Dr. Larry, should I call you Dr. Larry? Okay. Um, what I love about Dr. Larry is he is brilliant. Brilliant man. He has studied greatly into the word of God um, he yeah yeah and um, his expertise in the, is in the book of revelation which you'll glean some information from this morning brilliant man but you know what he doesn't make you feel like he's a brilliant man I'm not saying that as a slam. I'm saying that's a real gift when you are brilliant and you can take information and dumb it down to levels that we need to receive it. So thank you for being able to do that. It is a privilege to have you speak to us this morning, Larry.
1: uh there, okay, so there, how's that? well, how how come it turns off when I put it back? I'll just hold it in my hand. so today's my anniversary. Yeah, it's and my wife's too. (laughs) Her name is Lynn and this is my gift to her. I told her, you know, as my gift to you, I'm going to speak this morning and and she was in such awe. I rendered her speechless. She hasn't spoken to me since. (laughs) So (laughs) it's working out tremendously well. This is, uh, this is the middle of summer. We've just passed the dog days of summer, and we're, what are we, the 14th of August, my anniversary. I can read it on the inside of my ring, which I don't wear anymore, because my fingers got fat, and I can't wear it anymore. So, so Lynn was worried that, that women would be interested in me, because I don't have a ring on, but so far, <laughs> that hasn't panned out at all. Something about, I think they're in awe of my presence and they can't, uh, they feel uncomfortable speaking to me or something. Because it's the middle of summer, I thought we should do something a little more, a little more enjoyable. I just, you know, you've got some great speaking coming. You know, Gary's coming back, Pastor Ruth's going to be speaking again pretty soon. Uh, Vern, Vern just gives tremendous sermons. And I thought, well, why don't we just do something a little different and a, and a, a little bit more fun. So I thought I'd speak about the mark of the beast (laughs) today. And you have a notepad. You have notes with you. And your notes will just say Revelation 13.1 to 14.2. Probably should have said 14.5, but I said 14.2 when I first did it. So if you have those, and you notice um, Gary and everybody else gives you little little pointers along the way. But I didn't do that because I had no idea what I was going to say once I got up here. So, And since I'm going to start in chapter 12 anyway, the, the whole thing doesn't work. But there's three things you're going to want to get out of this. There's, there's three things that people want to know whenever they talk about Revelation 13 and the mark of the beast. They want to know who are these, these believers that are in chapter 13. That's number one. So who are these believers? Who are these Christian people that they're talking about? Because if you believed in a pre-trib rapture, if you believe that the rapture, that all the Christians went up to heaven in chapter 4, at the end of chapter 3, beginning of chapter 4, then the Christians are gone. As my mother-in-law used to say, why do we bother with Revelation anyway? We're gone. What do we care? And that was, that was nice. And then, if you're a mid-trib rapture list, if you believe that, the, that there's three and a half years of tribulation and then the Christians go... Then they went in chapter 11, so the Christians are gone. So if you're either one of those, then these people that we're dealing with in 13 are not, are not Bible-believing Christians that we are, but they are what we call tribulation saints. They are people that became Christians after the rapture. Now, if you're a mid-tribulationalist rapture person and you believe the rapture came in chapter 14, then, then they can still be Christians here. And if you're a post-trib and Christians are, live right through this thing, then they're Christians. So you're either dealing with Christians dealing with the beast, or you're dealing with tribulation saints dealing with the beast. But either way, there are believers in this portion of Scripture. Okay? The second thing you want to know are who are these beasts? You've got a dragon, you've got a beast of the sea, and you've got a beast of the land. So who are these Who are these guys? And they're, they're always guys, by the way, you know. Um... I don't know why they can't be women. I, I, I am fully convinced that the Antichrist could be a woman. Um, because, you know, <laughs> <clears throat> because I'm a man of this millennium and men of this millennium are, are fully convinced that women do everything, right? And they can be Antichrist if they want. So, so someone might rise to that challenge. We'll wait and see. Then the third thing you want to know is what is this mark of the beast? What is this mark, this 666? So anybody worth their salt in the study of Revelation needs to handle these three things in this book. So I gave you those, you can write them in, and then you can put notes underneath, if you so choose. So if we start in Revelation chapter 12, in Revelation chapter 12, you are introduced to the red dragon. Right? There's a woman about to give birth. And there's a great red dragon that is going to devour the child. Okay? And there's a lot of different interpretations of this. But if you knew nothing and you just read it, you'd say to yourself, this is talking about the birth of Jesus. This is, this is Herod trying to kill Jesus. This is Satan trying to kill Jesus through Herod, who, who killed all the firstborn in Bethlehem, which is only recorded in Luke. And so some historians don't believe it really happened we say, but it's recorded in Luke. It really happened. Herod tried to kill all the children, two years and under, right? So Satan is trying to kill Jesus. But in chapter 12, Satan is unable to kill Jesus. The great dragon can't kill him. He, he fails. So when you get to chapter 13, or verse 13 of chapter 12, it says, when the dragon realized that he had failed and he, he was thrown down out of heaven, when he realized that he'd been thrown to the earth, He pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child, but she was given two wings, like those of a great eagle, so she could fly to a place prepared for her in the wilderness. There she would be cared for and protected from the dragon for time, time, and half a time. And three and a half is a term used all the way through the book of Revelation, which could mean three and a half years if you're a literalist, or it could just mean a limited period of time, right? So for three and a half years, he's he's tried to get this, tried to destroy jesus where did mary go by the way does anybody remember went down to egypt for a little while and was protected then the dragon tried to drown the woman with a flood of water that flowed from his mouth that slander tried to slander her but the earth helped her by opening in its mouth and swallowing the river that gushed out of the mouth of the dragon and the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children and all who keep God's commands and maintain the testimony of Jesus. And the dragon took his stand on the shore of the sea. So Satan tried to destroy Jesus. He was unable to destroy Jesus. So what do you do? You destroy all of the other children of God. You try to destroy Jesus' followers. And that's what Satan's trying to do in chapter 13. This is the development of the mark of the beast. Satan is trying to destroy us is kind of what's happening. And I saw a beast rise out of the sea, and it was, had seven heads and ten horns and ten crowns on its horns. And on each was written a name that blasphemed God, and the beast looked like a leopard. But it had the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave the beast its power and throne and great authority. So there's, there's the beast, right? This is the beast that rises up. And he looks like, like these amazing beasts from, from the book of Daniel which was very political, right? Talking about different nations. And this one takes on their characteristics. He looks like a leopard. He looks like a bear. He looks like a lion in this one, right? And, and this, this beast has incredible power, incredible political power. And this is the one that some who are looking forward to a future beast, because a lot of Christians think that this is all going to happen in our future, they say this is the coming Antichrist, this beast. Is the, that's the one that's coming that the whole world is going to follow. In the first century, there was a beast that the whole world followed. The beast that the whole world followed in the first century was the Roman emperor. Everybody bowed down to the Roman emperor in the first century. Christians weren't weren't killed in mass slaughter until the third century, but they were being killed a little bit in the first century. And you listened to the Roman emperor, and Rome gave you peace. If you wanted any peace... You needed the emperor of Rome to to grant you that kind of peace. And if you wanted to have peace, you pledged allegiance to the emperor of Rome. And by the time that this book was written, and we believe it was written, all of us do because I said this, we believe that this was written in about 95, about AD 95. Now, there's some that believe it was written under Nero's reign in in 54 to, to 64. But most of us think it was written under Domitian in 95, okay? So, <clears throat> that's really important stuff, isn't it? Someday, someday you're going to say, I, I think I know when the book of Revelation was written. And then you'll, you'll look really smart, and everybody in your Bible study will, will bow down and worship you. And then you'll have to be killed like this beast. So that'll be, that'll be about the end of that. So. so the beast is probably the Roman emperor, and he could very well be Domitian. But if you want to do anything in Rome... You used to do stuff, like you'd say, um, oh, Domitian, you'd worship him. Oh, Domitian, Domitian, I love you, I love you. Nobody believed it. They weren't stupider than we are. Like, nobody believes that people are gods, I don't think. Some, but not many. Just raise your hand. You can, it's, it's a rhetorical question, you don't have to answer. We don't believe that people are gods. But if we want to get our business done, sometimes we have to bow down to those that we... Uh, that we work for, that we, and they had to do that in Rome. So nobody believed it. So they'd say, oh, come on, John. We're going we're gonna to say, we love you, Domitian. You know, you're great. You're a god. And then we're going to go out our business, and we're going to make a lot of money. And John actually was saying to them in the book of Revelation, you can't do this. If you're a Christian, you cannot do this. We all know that they're not a god. We all know that this is just allegiance to Rome. But as a Christian, you can't. You have to have allegiance to God and no one else. Just like Daniel did under Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel refused to worship under Nebuchadnezzar, right? And he was thrown into the lion's den. It's the same thing in the book of Revelation under the Roman emperor. So, the second thing you find out. I saw one of the heads of the beast seemed to be wounded beyond recovery, but a fatal wound was healed. And, oh, some people thought that was Ronald Reagan for a while. Do you remember that? Ron, Ron, Ron was shot. I call him Ron because we're pretty close. Um, <clears throat> sometimes I call him Ronnie. <laughs> that's my brother's name. He once said to me, "You know, you're the only person in the world I will let call me Ronnie." So, Ronald was shot, and and they thought he might survive that and become become the beast, the Antichrist. That's what that's that's where speculation goes with that kind of thing. But this beast was killed, was, was wounded fatally, and, um, and then, it, then he was miraculously healed. And they worshipped this dragon for giving the beast such power, and they worshipped the beast, and they said, who is as great as the beast, and who is able to fight against him? So this beast is one who is destroyed and, and came back. And there was, a, there was a myth in the first century that said, that said the beast was Nero. They all felt that Nero was going to come back and be this beast. It was called the Nero Redovivas myth. So the revival of Nero myth. And and this isn't terribly unusual. Nero was such a bad ruler that Senate actually kicked him out. And as far as they knew, he went to another place and he, slid his, he played his fiddle while Rome burned. But then Senate kicked him out, he went to another place and he slit his own throat and killed himself. But there was a feeling that nobody really saw him dead, right? And there was this feeling Maybe he didn't really die. And then there was another thing that came and said, well, maybe he rose again. Maybe he's going to come back. And you know, this feeling that, that terrible people don't die isn't that unusual. It happened with Nero. It happened again with Second World War. It could have happened in between. Second World War with Hitler. There was all kinds of feelings that Hitler didn't die. That maybe he didn't die in that bunker. Maybe he's still around. Now, he's pretty old now. But, um, you know, for a while, that was a pretty serious thing. They felt that, I don't know if they ever felt that about Napoleon. They felt that about Elvis Presley. Um, of course, that's different, right? <laughs> Elvis wasn't bad. He was actually quite a good singer, right? And Elvis didn't die. He, he just went home. So uh, so that's that's kind of a different thing. But there's this Red Avivis thing, you know, that evil people don't really die, that they can come back again. And there was this feeling that maybe Nero would come back. So, so this beast, this beast that was wounded, might have been this revival of Nero, bringing in all these, these evil things to Rome. And the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God. And he was given authority to do whatever he wanted for 42 months. And 42 months is three and a half years, right? And he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God. And he slandered his name in his dwelling that those who dwell in, and those who dwell in heaven. So he slandered the angels. And the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and conquer them. So these are the Christians or the tribulation saints. They're being warred against. And he was given authority to rule over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. They are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life before the world was made. The book that belongs to the lamb who was slaughtered. He was given power to fight and beat and destroy and kill the Christians. The Roman emperor had that power. The coming beast has that power to fight and destroy Christians. And this is one of the... One of the terribly difficult things about the book of Revelation, particularly for Canadians and people from the United States and maybe even people from Europe, people from the second and third world, they get this stuff. But Canadians don't. That Satan, utilizing his people, can actually overpower and kill Christians. And in the book of Revelation, this happens again and again and again that the Christians are killed. They're killed by Satan, his forces. And the biggest thing that, we, that troubles us about this is that God allows this. God allows Christians to die. He allows Christians to be killed. And it's something that he was preparing his people for. He said to them all through this book, If you're going to serve me, you're going to die for me. Remember the church of Smyrna. They're going to put you in prison for 10 days. But don't worry, right? Because you're going to receive the crown of life. They're going to put you in prison for 10 days and then kill you. That's the part I left out. And then you'll receive the crown of life. In chapter 12, it said, They defeated him, the accuser, they defeated Satan by the blood of the Lamb and their testimony. Remember, and you often hear that. How do you defeat Satan? You defeat Satan by the blood of the Lamb and your testimony, right? You're a Christian person and you have a testimony and that's how you defeat Satan. And I think that's wonderful. And then it says, And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. And they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. And what is the beast doing to the Christian people? He's killing them. And what was the dragon doing there? He was killing them. And what were they doing to the Smyrna Christians? They were putting them in prison and killing them. And what were they going to do in in 200 years in Rome? They were going to put them in the Colosseums, right? And have them face the lions and have them die. If you ever get a chance, you read a book by Calvin Miller called The Philippian Fragment. And he's in prison. He's a pastor in prison waiting to go to the, before the lions. And he's saying, God, you can't put me before the lions. He said, the other guys will bow down and, and, and they'll look so wonderful before the lions. But I'm going to run and scream and cry and I'm going to make a fool of, of you. So maybe don't put me before the lions. Let those tough guys go. I don't want to go there. The beast is going to kill us. Look at the next verse, verse 9 of chapter 13. Anyone who hears with ears to hear should listen and understand. Anyone who is destined for prison will be taken to prison. Anyone who is destined to die by the sword will die by the sword. If you're going to prison, you're still going to go to prison. If you're going to die by the sword, you're still going to die by the sword. The King James says it a little different. It says, if you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. Isn't that what the King James says? The old Levi's commercial said, if you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. But if you live in Levi's, it can be denim or cord. It's kind of an old commercial, I guess. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution faithfully. And they must remain patient. Or they endure persecution patiently and they must remain faithful under the guise. If you're a pre-trib rapture person, maybe we're gone. But there's tribulation saints going through this. And they went through this in the first century. And they went through this under the others. And, and we've had all these different ideas of who the Antichrist is going to be. Do you know that, that a lot of people in the Second World War believed that Hitler was the Antichrist? Do you know before that, the Orthodox priests, they believed that Napoleon was the Antichrist. They were probably right. He was at least an antichrist, if he wasn't the antichrist, right? Because he destroyed the Christians. Hitler did the same. People have felt that about people all through the years. Um, around the world, they look to the United States lately as being the possible home of this, which is kind of odd for us. We don't, we don't think about that quite as often as as everybody else. In Canada, you think about Torontonians that way, <clears throat> So, <laughs> but you know that's not that big a deal. You know, if you're from Toronto, a lot of people from Toronto. Yeah, I'm from Toronto. I'm actually from Newmarket, so it was okay. We were we were on the outskirts of evil. So it wasn't it wasn't quite the same thing. <laughs> then they had a beast from the earth. The beast from the earth serves the beast from the land, and and some people think the beast from the sea. That's the sea of the abyss, or that's the sea of the nations, right? That there's going to be a a coming Antichrist that's going to rule the nations. The beast of the earth, um, the reason he's from the earth, we figure, is to distinguish him from the beast of the sea so that you know the difference between these two beasts. And I saw another beast come up. Oh, by the way, I threw out the term Antichrist and beast interchangeably. That's because everybody does, right? Man of lawlessness, Antichrist, beast. We all throw out those terms interchangeably. But just for those that are a little more serious, the term "antichrist" only comes up in first and second John, and in first and second John, it refers specifically to false prophets in the church, where John says to them, "You believe an Antichrist is coming. I tell you they are already here." And he's, and he's referring to people that come into the church with false messages, not just poor messages like mine, like not, not, not bad preachers evil preachers we are usually good preachers now that that would make that would say something against gary because he's a good preacher but he's a good good preacher so that that uh, there i'm safe now i'm good this isn't on this isn't being taped is it (laughs) so the beast the other beast comes up and he had two what time is it am i going too long there's no clock oh it's really early oh i'll go slower Then I saw a beast come out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke with the voice of a dragon. Okay, Imitates Christ. The beast of the earth is an imitation of Christ. He exercised all authority of the first beast and required all on earth and its people to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. He did astounding miracles, even making fire flash down to the earth from the sky while everyone was watching so who is this this third person of this unholy trinity we always call him the false prophet it is the religious order underneath the beast remember the beast is the ruler the religious order follows the beast the roman priesthood followed the roman emperor and and supported the roman emperor Remember, in the earlier days, Christians were sacrificed as atheists. They were called atheists because they didn't believe in all of the Roman gods, which were actually stolen from the Greek gods, but that's, that's beside the point. Um, they didn't believe in all of these Roman gods, so they were considered atheists. So the priesthood would be backing the people that would be killing God's people, and, and that's kind of the way that works. And with all the miracles performed on behalf of the beast, he deceived the people who belonged to this world. And he ordered the people to make a great statue of the first beast who was fatally wounded and then came back to life. And he was then permitted to give life to the statue so it could speak. And then the statue of the beast commanded that anyone who refused to worship the beast die. Okay? And, and this happened with the Romans. This happened very strongly with Nebuchadnezzar. Rome was the, was the new Babylon, remember? And Nebuchadnezzar set up the statue. And if you didn't worship the statue, you died. If you didn't bow, they cut your head off. If you were the three Hebrew children, they threw you into the fiery furnace. If you were Daniel, they threw you to the lions. You had to worship the emperor. You've got to. And in John's time, you give lip service. What difference does it make? Well, it makes a difference. You give lip service to the world but you still be a Christian. What difference does that make? Well, to John, it makes a difference. I was talking to a guy the other day who had a sign company and he said, you know, we wouldn't do signs. This can be tough for you, but I'll, I'll tell you what he said. Um, he said, we wouldn't do signs for, 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 for alcoholic beverages because he didn't believe in drinking. And he said, we wouldn't do signs for the casinos because we felt that the casinos were wrong. And we wouldn't do signs for other things, right? Other things. He wouldn't do signage for things that he felt were wrong. I said, how did that affect your business? He said, it was tough. There was a lot of money to be made. But he said, but we had made a stand. And so he, John says, you, you know, you draw that line in the stand and you don't go over it. So I, I talked to a politician once. He said, you know, Larry, you do everything right. You do everything right. You do everything right. You do everything right. You make one compromise and the whole thing is lost. It's just like that. You make one compromise And the whole thing is lost. If you don't bow down before this thing, you're going to die. The Christians need to have patient endurance because if they bow down, they're going to die. They're going to do this before the Roman emperor. Next, find a little piece here. He required everyone great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on their forehead. And no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Wisdom is needed here. kind of feel like it's needed everywhere. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it's a number of a man, and his number is 666. And I don't, we haven't been doing this much lately, but we used to do a lot of this stuff. We would take a person's name, and, and try to figure out the number of the name. Now, it doesn't work in, because we're English letters and what we call Arabic numerals. But in, in, in the Hebrews language, letters equaled numbers, right? In the Greek language, letters equaled numbers. I, I think you can do it in Latin too. And so what they would do is they would take a person's name and they would figure out the numeric value of the name. In Hebrew, they call this gematria, and the priests did this all the time. The rabbis did this. Um, and they had a lot of fun with it, too. They have a thing in Pompeii written in Greek. And it said, uh, I love her whose name is 545. And so the girls could come and, "Woo, my name adds up to 545. I might be the one he loves. You know, that kind of thing or, or that type of thing. And they actually had this. They have it. It's like with the, with the, you do something with apple peels, don't you? You did something with petals of a daisy. You did something with apple peels. Well, they did it with with uh, with numbers. They were they were brighter than us, and they could they could actually do math, and so they could figure it out. Well, people would look at this and they'd say, "I can figure out who this who this Antichrist is, who this beast is, um, if you don't like that other word. I can figure out who it is by figuring out who the six 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 is." And actually, they would make Nero's name because they felt like this was a re, re, uh, revival of Nero, Revivus. They would take Nero's name, and they would make it fit 666. If you do Nero, Caesar, and you change the C to kind of a Q, it it works, right? And you you can make it happen. QVR. Or what they did is some, there are actually some manuscripts of the Bible that instead of 666, they say 616. His name is 616, which is Nero's name. If you do Nero's name, As a number, it amounts to 616. So they do all these kind of things to kind of figure out who this person was. First century church fathers did it. Second century church fathers did it. Everybody did this kind of stuff, right? Then the other way you look at it is you say 666 is probably just, well, God would be 777. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, 777. 666, dragon, beast beast of the land, beast of the sea. Dragon, antichrist, false prophet they're would. they they're all just falling short. So there's these different ways of doing it. The thing that seemed more important to everybody was that you had to receive a mark either on your forehead or on your right hand, which is great if you're left-handed, but, um, but if you're right-handed. And I remember I read a book called The Racing Toward the Mark of the Beast, and he was talking about credit cards. Because I don't know, if some of the older folk here now, I'll talk to you alone, you remember when credit cards first came out and somebody wrote a book about the evil... Credit card and how the beast was going to use credit cards and probably has (laughs) for most of us, but but um, I was going to use credit cards to control the world, right? And they used and they said, you know, notice they start with 666. And um, now the next book she wrote, you could buy with a credit card, so things changed uh, a little bit over time. However, there was that feeling that that was going to happen, and then in the Mark of the Beast, um, they started talking about smart cards, and now we all have smart cards, they're not really that smart. Like, I was talking to mine the other day, and it wasn't answering or anything, so it's, it's not that big a deal. And then they said, well, the smart cards have a chip. And of course, as you know, with animals and with, with some criminals, criminals, you have to put it in a, a thing around their leg. With animals, they actually just insert it in. And you can you can keep track of them, but you can also keep all of their information on this, right? And you know about this stuff. And and they were saying, well, all they have to do with that smart card because you lose your credit card and you lose your debit card and you forget your PIN number. And so you write it on the back of your debit card, right? We all, oh, I don't do that. I just forget it. And um, we do all that kind of stuff. And they say, well, what, what if they took that chip and put it in your hand? Then you'd never lose it. Oh, wouldn't that be handy? That would be really nice, right? And now you'll be hearing, you, you must have heard someone somewhere say, don't ever get that chip in your hand because then you'll go straight to hell. Right? You know, that's a pew. Write down, write down, one-way ticket. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200. You're not going to get any of that because you're going to get that chip. Well, if the bank had a chip to put in my hand, I don't know if I'd do it with the credit union or not because um, mine doesn't even have an ATM out front, so I'm a little concerned. But if they if they had a little chip, I, I would probably take it. I'd maybe put it in my left hand just to be on the safe side. you know. But I think I'd take it because, because it doesn't say give it to everyone, it says, yeah, there's a worship element here, right? So we're talking about all of these technological things, but the real element is the worship element. If you worship the beast, if you have to show a sign of worship to get this, if you have to show a sign of allegiance to someone other than God to get this thing, then you can't take it, right? And we always say, if you're going to take it, don't take it in your forehead, you know. Because then when you're going through the store and they have to grab you by the head and run you over that thing every time, that, that, that's really, that, that would get really difficult. So if you're going you know, don't to, don't, you know, don't go into purgatory twice. Just get it on your hand. Of course, someone said to me, well, you, that's not right, Dr. Van B, because they have a machine now that you can swipe. I <laughs> said, so, well, yeah, that really wasn't my point. Um, my point was, this is the mark, um, and the mark requires Allegiance. And allegiance was a very common thing. Soldiers took tattoos to, talk, to say, and actually they still do, but to say you know what unit you're in, what what, and it was it was a sign of allegiance. Soldiers did this. Um, in Ephesus, there was a there was a tattoo you'd take in order to work in the marketplace, a sign of of buying and selling. Um, there's 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 a thing that makes if anybody remembers, I don't know, you're, you're Russia. There was a time in Russia, now there's probably Russian people here, but there was a time in Russia that that you had to be a communist and you had to, to pledge allegiance to the communist party. If you were a Christian, you couldn't get a good job. The good job, I always talk to my left, don't I? Um, so if you were a Christian, there were no good jobs for you. You had to take you had to take minimum wage jobs. You had to take mediocre jobs. You, had to, you couldn't move up in, in the party because you were a Christian. That is the kind of thing that's happening here. There's a financial penalty to not worshipping the beast. And that is what this mark is about. Why is the mark on your forehead? Do you remember the Jewish priests? They wore phylacteries. And they would wear one on their wrist and one on their forehead. And in these, they would keep the law right written. And the whole idea is, the law of God affects the way I think, and the law of God affects the way I act. The whole point here is, where does your allegiance lie? Does it lie with the Antichrist? Does it lie with the beast? Does it lie with this world? Or does it lie with God? Because everybody that does this passage of Scripture doesn't read 14 chapter 1. And look at 14 chapter 1. Then I saw the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him were 144,000 who had his name and the Father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of a mighty ocean with waves rolling and loud thunder, and it was like the sound of many harps and a great choir sang a wonderful new song from the throne of God and before were the four living beings. And he takes you right back into heaven where the four living beings are and the creatures are and the angels are and the 144,000 are that were mentioned in chapter 7. And and really what he says, what are you going to do? Are you going to serve this world? Are you going to take the mark of the world? Or are you going to serve God? This calls for patient endurance, because if you serve God, you have to do what God says. I was listening to that very first song we sang, uh, or the second one this morning. You know, it's all about you, Jesus. It's not about me. And as your life goes on, you will make some of the hardest decisions in your life to make it about Jesus and not about you. And there may be a future Antichrist coming who's going to come from Italy like some of the movies say, or somewhere from the Western world, and it's, it's going to be kind of a handsome man. Because there is one thing about the Antichrist, is everybody wants to follow him. That's how come I know it's none of the people I've ever worked with. Um, <clears throat> evil people, but not quite followable. And um, he might come from there. There might be a future Antichrist. There might be a definite thing that's happening in before the seven years in the middle of the seven years. You know, all of that stuff might happen. But the most important thing here is, where does your allegiance lie? And if we were anywhere else but Canada, I'd be saying to you and me, and not liking any bit of it, I'd be saying, are you prepared to die for your faith? Are you prepared to say no to what is wrong? And give your life for it. Do we have any sense of what God says when he said in the Psalms, blessed in the, are, are in the eyes of the Lord or the death of his saints? Do we have any idea what that means? Do we have any idea what it means that Jesus is coming again and the most important thing that you will ever do is serve Jesus? And when Jesus asks you to do something, the most important thing you'll ever do is say yes to him and no to the things of this world. This book was preparing people to die. And he was preparing them to die because death isn't that big a deal to God. And death is such a big deal to us. We're so excited that we might live to 100. Really have nothing to do after 50, but, you know, but we're going to live, that's not true at all, I know. (laughs) I've heard it's not true. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a bunch of ministers in here that are older and they gave their lives for Jesus Christ and they're all over this country and they wanted to burn out for Jesus. They fully expected Jesus to return in their lifetime and they're older now. And, and he still not come back. But they were not wrong. We have to live our lives in the light of his second coming. We have to wear the seal of God. We can't take the mark of the beast. Singers, are you going to come up? I'm done.